Good morning, everyone. Hope your day is off to a good start, and uh, thank you for tuning in with us this morning. You know, there are a lot of people that are excited about school being out for the summer, and uh, certainly want to congratulate all of those recent graduates, and they're off to uh, a great start and many exciting things in their lives. Also, uh, want to say congratulations to our Hilton Head Island Bluffton Leadership Class, who will be holding their graduation ceremony tonight. It's been a great class with a fantastic project that they did for the uh, for the region. And uh, if you haven't heard about that, uh, go to our website and you can find out all about what they did. Also, I want to give a special shout out to Judy Austin and Garrett Simmons. They're both with our junior leadership class, which graduated a few weeks ago. And uh, each of them had the opportunity last night to share with Hilton Head Island Town Council their experiences in the uh, junior leadership program. And both are, uh, are stellar and did a terrific job speaking to council last night. You know, although that schools are out for the summer, uh, planning for the future, it continues. And when you look at it, the last U.S. Census showed that Bluffton has grown over 150% from 2010 through 2021. With that comes the need for additional schools. And there's a proposed new school campus planned for Bluffton. And here to tell us all about that, as well as how the school year went, uh, is our superintendent of schools, Dr. Frank Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez, welcome, and thank you for joining us this morning. I'll start with how the school year has gone and the students we serve, and I'll come back and end on the uh, proposed uh, uh, referendum or potential referendum in November. So with that in mind, uh, our Beaufort County School District serves 21,500 students across Beaufort County. And uh, we serve approximately 54% uh, students of poverty, and we have about 20% students that are multilingual learners. That means that they're recently arrived into the country within one, two, maybe three years into the country. And so they're still in that language acquisition portion of, of their development. And so uh, that comes with unique uh, uh, challenges in terms of education as well. So. Uh, we are excited about the students we serve. We're proud of the programs that we offer. Here in the Buford County School District, we have students that graduate from our school system and are headed off to Ivy League schools. Uh, they're headed off to schools across uh, the state of South Carolina uh, and, and other places across the country. And some stay right here locally at TCL or at USCB uh, in, in pursuing their, their education. Some of them go right into uh, career, and they focused on career and technical ed, which I will uh, talk a little bit about that in, in a second. So we're excited that we have programs that support the needs of all of the 21,500 students that we serve, anywhere from uh, uh, language acquisition programs and special ed programming, uh, all the way through to the highest advanced coursework that's possible for students earning college credits while they're in high school, as well as uh, career and technical education programming for our students that, uh, that are looking to head in that direction after high school. And so um, our, our career and technical ed programs, we have them existing in uh, several middle schools across the, the county and in all of our high schools, uh, but we also have a career and technical ed center at ACE which serves many of our students. Uh, it is such a great experience for, for all of our kids that take part in whether they wanna take one course or they wanna go all the way through and end up with an industry certification that they can carry out uh, into the workforce 
when they leave us. And so those are in areas such as welding, uh, auto mechanics, uh, uh, EMS training, uh, fire department. Uh, we have boat and marine mechanic uh, trainings. We have Project Lead the Way for students that are interested in pursuing an engineering uh, type of coursework. Uh, we even have a $12 million grant that we went after that provides some of our students in a cluster site uh, biomedical uh, uh, academic programming so that they're interested in the medical field. Uh, we partner with Buford Memorial Hospital for that, and we're looking at duplicating that uh, right here in Hilton Head. Uh, with the hospital, we're, we're, we're trying to connect with them and move in that direction to see, uh, engage the interest there. And then in addition, uh, there's a cybersecurity component that comes through our career and technical ed. Uh, our students, as you know, here in Buford County, uh, Buford County is trying to plant the flag down as a cybersecurity hub uh, in the state of South Carolina and on the East Coast of the United States. And as such, uh, we wanna prepare our students to be ready for that workforce. And so we have cybersecurity programs for our children to take advantage of. And uh, they compete with, within military uh, um, uh, co competitions on Cyber Patriot, for example. And this is something the military does and sponsors in order to make sure we're preparing the youth uh, for the cybersecurity world. And here in Buford County, I'm proud to tell you that we have 35% of the state of South Carolina's Cyber Patriot team that compete. So they can not only gain their experience in the cybersecurity world and train in it, but they get to put their skill sets to practice uh, in, in the competition of, uh, around cybersecurity. And so we're really excited about the way our career and technical ed programming is developing. We're excited about our high-end level academic programs. And as everybody knows, the pandemic had a significant effect on uh, students and, and certainly uh, we are in academic recovery for many students. And as you know, uh, that is a multi-year uh, process in the academic recovery. But I am very, very proud to tell you that here in Buford County, we, uh, we navigated uh, this pandemic and the academic component of it pretty well for kids. Um, sure, we saw an impact and we still see it. And we still have a multi-year uh, growth process. But let me tell you, in literacy, where many uh, states across the country and, and uh, places around the world saw a significant impact in literacy. In Buford County, we navigated that well. We have not only exceeded our pre-pandemic scores in literacy, but we have achieved the highest scores in literacy that, that the school district has ever gotten uh, in the state assessment uh, since its inception, I believe in 2016. So uh, our, our, in our literacy area, uh, we, have, we have managed to fare that pretty well, even where other states uh, and communities saw significant impact there. When it comes to mathematics, uh, we also saw a significant impact in mathematics. Uh, the, the US uh, Secretary of Education said that the impact in math across the country is decades worth. Uh, while ours is not decades worth, we did see uh, an impact, and that's probably where we saw the greatest impact is in the, is, is in the math area. And so we have focused there. Uh, we have uh, focused this upcoming year's budget. Uh, I I'm hiring a math coordinator position at the district level to coordinate and support the work of educators in the classroom around mathematics. Uh, and, and that is a significant piece. It's going to focus on the elementary grades. Uh, because as you know, math is one of those subject areas that builds upon itself. And so establishing the strongest foundation possible at the youngest grades is so important for us in order to help our students reach their highest potential. 
And so that's where we're targeting uh, that work. You know, last year when we when we approached the budget, we really hit hard on the compensation component for our employees because uh, it takes talent to deliver high quality education. And we wanna make sure that we are attracting the highest level talent possible here to Beaufort County in terms of classroom teachers. And I have to tell you, you know, that is a challenge across the country. Everybody's competing for the same educators. Uh, there is a, a critical shortage of educators. Uh, and as an example, um, you know, 50% of teachers that enter the profession in any given year are gone by the fifth year. Uh, they've gone into other areas. And then you have retirements and all those sorts of things, people moving out of the district, uh, out of the county. Uh, so those, those challenges all come together. And so one of the highest uh, uh, and most important things you can do is to impact the compensation piece. And so last year, when we started the school year last year, we started, uh, our beginning teacher uh, pay was at 37,000. And put that in context, when I started teaching in 1993, my first year teacher salary was 30,000. And so over a 29 year period, which is a career, the difference there is $7,000. We took a closer look at ourselves here in Beaufort County, and we identified that we ranked 53rd in the state of South Carolina in terms of teacher compensation. And so we focused our budget on that last year. We looked internally and we looked at programs that maybe didn't, weren't showing a high return on investment and, and, and we eliminated those types of programs and we found half the dollars for that. And then we asked the community to support us on the second half when we go to county council, when we went to county council last year at this time, uh, in order to uh, increase salaries for teachers and, and fund the other half. And so it was a unanimous decision uh, by county council. And so uh, this is a wonderful thing because we moved our teacher compensation from 37,000 at the beginning of the year to uh, $50,000. Uh, so when, when our teachers started this year, we started at $50,000. That moved us from 53rd in the state of South Carolina to number one. And that's where we wanna stay because we wanna make sure we are attracting the highest quality educators that we can. Um, looking at the academic recovery component, we want not only uh, the high quality educators, but we wanna make sure we've built in uh, uh, opportunity there for extended learning sites. And so we have these extended learning sites after school uh, where our students that uh, need the additional support or want additional support can attend. And they're, they're, uh, we've partnered with ecumenical partners across the county and also with Boys and Girls Club, uh, for example, right here on Hilton Head. And so uh, we extend the learning day there for those students that wanna take advantage of it. And it's been an excellent program showing great success. And it's one that we're obviously gonna wanna continue into the future. Um, in terms of, uh, of what we're, the school year itself, it's been, it's been a great school year. I think our students are making uh, great progress. And here we are at the tail end of it and graduations are underway. What a great time to celebrate. I mean, we've had three of them so far. They've been absolutely beautiful and it's just wonderful to see uh, really students achieving the crown jewel of public education. And that is walking across that stage and getting their graduation, their high school graduation diploma. And so we've got three more to go. We've got Bluffton High School tonight. We have uh, Whale Branch Early College High School uh, uh, tomorrow night and then on Friday, we close out with uh, Hilton Head High School. So we're very excited about that. And I wanna pivot for just a second and talk a little bit about the up, uh, potential upcoming referendum. And I say potential because it will, this proposal will go to our school board on uh, June 13th. 
And at that meeting, uh, I'm hoping that our, our, our school board will uh, vote to move it forward, uh, which is gonna be an important piece for us. As you know, uh, in, in 2019, we passed the first referendum in over 11 years to support uh, the maintenance project and, and, and uh, uh, capital projects that we need in the, in the school district. Most successful school districts are passing bond referendums approximately every four years. So when you don't pass one in over 11 years, uh, it has its impact on, on your capital uh, and, ma and maintenance components of the school district. And so we got the work right away. Uh, thank you so much to our community because it passed with an overwhelming 70, approximately 70% 70 approval from, from the voters in the community here in Beaufort County. And, and that's so important. It sent a really great message. Uh, we got the work right away. One of the first things I did was to set up a citizen-led oversight committee that would oversee exactly how the school district is spending the dollars and managing the projects. And so that has gone very well. They meet monthly and report quarterly to the community through school board meetings. Um, they have done a remarkable job. One of the things Buford County has so much of is tremendous talent and resources. And uh, we've taken advantage of that by identifying individuals with tremendous expertise in accounting, uh, tremendous expertise in, in the construction and building world and in plan operations. Uh, and we've tapped into that and they make us better because they ask us very challenging questions every month. And they're, they're responsible stewards uh, as they oversee uh, uh, how the district is spending the dollars, the public dollars. And so far we've had glowing reviews from them. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of our team and the work that, uh, that they've done there. So we put together a community project review committee uh, to look at uh, additional needs that the school district has. You know, in the last one, there were over $644 million worth of needs that were identified. And in those $644 million worth of needs, the referendum really got to work on $344 million worth of those needs. And so now here we are coming back, uh, looking at hitting on many of those same projects that were left off the last referendum. And, and there are some significant ones. And, and so the first one, for example, is the new high school here on Hilton Head High School here on Hilton Head Island. It's gonna be uh, a beautiful facility, uh, which is gonna provide our students with a learning environment that's really essential uh, for successful teaching and learning. And so we're excited about, uh, about that project. Uh, over in Ladies Island, uh, there was a middle school that was on last time, but got removed at the last, uh, uh, at the last minute. And so uh, that Ladies Island, it's a replacement school for the existing school there. And, and there are you know, some significant needs uh, that need to be addressed with a replacement school there. Uh, you mentioned the growth in Bluffton. It has been a tremendous growth. Uh, our elementary schools are essentially really at capacity. Uh, if you look at uh, Pritchardville, Pritchardville is uh, uh, about 115% over uh, at capacities, which means they're over already. So uh, a new elementary school is really needed. And so it, We've got one projected there in the uh, in the May on the May River campus. Uh, there's plenty of room there, and and so that's a, a location that we're looking at to place an elementary school there. Um, Riverview uh, over on, on Northern Beaufort County. There's a, a gym there uh, that's needed, and then that is one of our district. It is a district charter school, uh, but it is uh, part of the school district. And then career and technical education expansion is really important to a, a Bluffton High School. Uh, is going to see some career and technical education expansion, uh, uh, May River as well. 
you can tell, you can see over in Beaufort uh, High School, for example, that needs uh, some of that expansion. So those are three areas that are gonna uh, need some of that work. Uh, a technology Warehouse Imaging Center is part of this for the school district in order to manage the technology needs that the school district has. Uh, and then of course, uh, things like HVAC replacements, furniture uh, replacement. We've got some schools that have uh, furniture that's approximately 40 years old. And it, they're, they've served us well, but their time has come. And, and it's really important to uh, build furniture and spaces within the learning environment because the learning environment has changed. It's no longer like when you and I went to school and it's straight rows, right? This is about uh, 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 collaboration work for, for students. And so we need to find furniture that is conducive to that kind of work. And then uh, there's improvements that are needed on our parking lots and drives, safety and security measures as well for, uh, for every school, uh, early childhood expansion. I mentioned earlier, as we overcome the impact of the pandemic, building strong foundations is really essential. And so our ability to expand that early childhood education is critical. That's part of this proposed referendum. And, uh, and so uh, these are the things we are focusing on uh, for this proposed referendum in November. I think it will, it will uh, take us further down the road in the work of uh, modernizing and enhancing the educational experience uh, for our students in Beaufort County uh, so that our educators, the top talent we're trying to bring in with that high compensation uh, is able to, do, to teach in, in, in an environment that's conducive to increasing outcomes for students. And so uh, that concludes my report, but I'm happy, Bill, to take any questions that anyone might have. I know I covered uh, a lot of ground here today. Dr. Rodriguez, as always, uh, a great update. And uh, thank you for that. And congratulations on all the successes. We do have questions, but I, I certainly wanted to make sure uh, to extend congratulations to you on, a, on all the thank great you, things sir. going on. The thank first you. question is coming from Carol, and Carol's asking, is uh, what do you attribute the increase in literacy scores to? Yeah, that's a great question because you see for us, we're, we're an anomaly really in the way of uh, played out for a lot of school districts across the country. I really think that one of the things we did here early on is, is uh, at least during my tenure, that's what I can speak for, but I, I think what we did early on here is try to focus on things like, uh, like phonics-based instruction so that, uh, so that, you know, in literacy, the pendulum swings so much. You go one time where you have whole language instruction, and then you go all the way to the other side where you have totally phonics-based. And I think what we tried to do is to navigate ourselves towards the middle and provide some of that uh, phonics-based instruction along the way. Uh, the other thing we've done is we've, we've really fine-tuned uh, and try to improve our fidelity around what we call uh, professional learning communities. And these are where our educators at every grade level come together or content area as you get higher up, come together and focus on their planning together. And they focus on what the data is telling them about where students are in their, in their, in their learning and impacting that by, uh, by strategically targeting of academic instruction in that, in that area. And so uh, I think it's about balancing, uh, finding that balance there between the whole language uh, educational instruction model and then focusing in on some of the, the uh, phonics-based instruction that's needed. And, you know, we're going to hear more a lot more about that phonics-based piece in, in the world of education in the upcoming years when you hear things about science of reading 
there's a lot of phonics-based instruction there. But I think finding that, that sweet spot in the middle is an important part, and then educators collaborating on the instruction uh, is, is critical. Kristen is asking if uh, there will be another public high school built in Bluffton. Uh, not in this referendum. Uh, we have, you know, some space within within uh, the existing two high schools that we have. And one of the things we increase capacity in those high schools. For example, as we build a career and technical education uh, building for May River and a career and technical education building for Bluffton, that increases capacity space within those schools. We may eventually, uh, if the growth continues, need to look at that. Uh, but our immediate need right now is really at the elementary schools. And so that's what we're seeking to address through this referendum. Uh, down the road, uh, uh, it may be something that we need to tackle, uh, but, but at the moment, uh, we think we can manage some of this because the last thing we want to do is overbuild. Uh, you, you need significant acreage when you're, when you're uh, building high schools. And, and, and then you don't wanna really overbuild and oversaturate either. So we wanna to try to be strategic and responsible about how we use our community's dollars. All right, thank you for that. Janie is asking if the Hilton Head High School uh, addition would be contingent upon a new referendum. Uh, we're gonna to have to do something at Hilton Head High School, but you know it is impossible for us to build a new high school. Uh, really without referendum dollars. So, so the difference would be either, either we are able to, uh, uh, to build a new high school with a referendum that passes, or uh, we're having to find a way to modernize an existing building that is gonna need a lot of work. So uh, really the best case scenario to provide uh, the best opportunity for students is gonna be through that, uh, through that new high school. Kelly is asking if you've uh, looked to Georgia for ideas for, for uh, math standards. For math standards, yes. We actually are looking across the, uh, the country at what different states are doing with respect to math. But at the end of the day, we, we, we have to come back to the state of South Carolina standards because those are the ones that our students are held accountable for on, on state assessments. So we look at what's, we look more at the strategies and at the uh, initiatives and programs that are happening across the country in order to impact mathematics. Uh, standards may vary a little bit, but ultimately uh, the, the standards are, are, are pretty close to the same. But what you do in terms of delivering instruction around those standards is, is really the key, I think, in meeting those. And I think that's probably what, what they're referring to in the question. And so we do look at the initiatives and, the, and, and strategies that are in play, uh, not just uh, in Georgia, but uh, other parts across the country, trying to find uh, the greatest component. I think the significant impact with, 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 in mathematics has really been, even though we're showing growth, uh, but there was an impact from where we were prior to the pandemic, right? So last year we showed growth, uh, but we're still recovering from that impact, right? And so I think the significant uh, issue comes to typically in math classrooms today, they're thinking-based curriculums that require uh, manipulatives and hands-on. During, uh, during the pandemic, the reason I think across the country and across the world you saw such significant impact in mathematics is because of the separation 
and the isolation that didn't allow for the collaboration, the, 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 uh, the, the manipulatives that are used in classrooms in order to bring concepts uh, to reality for kids, right? And, and, and helping them see those, those concepts play out. So those are the challenges, but we, we, we definitely do look at what uh, innovation, what uh, instructional strategies uh, are in play in other parts across the country. We don't mind borrowing things that work. All right, uh, Rick is asking if the referendum is passed, if there will be um, an additional investment in school safety. Yes, there is. Uh, there is additional investment in school safety. We placed a heavy investment on this uh, 2019 referendum on school safety. But as you know, as we all know, uh, we want to make sure that we're always enhancing and, and moving forward and, and increasing in every aspect of our school safety. So there will be for sure. Uh, an investment in school safety. Dr. Rodriguez, thank you so much for the terrific update today. And uh, we appreciate the job that you and all your team and all the educators uh, do for Beaufort County. And we'll look forward to uh, another update from you soon. Thank you, Bill. Uh, I'm blessed to work with a wonderful team and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come here and share uh, with you and with our community and, and partners here, uh, the work that's happening. So thank you very much. Thank you. That was Dr. Frank Rodriguez, superintendent of Beaufort County Schools. Always uh, great talking with him. Well, let's look at it this way. Our most recent membership survey, uh, as well as our annual resident survey, uh, continue to show that workforce housing remains the top concern in our community. The workforce challenge, whether it's hiring, housing, or transportation, is something being faced by communities across the country. It must be approached with a regional perspective, which is why eight different areas have come together to form the Regional Tourism Housing Trust Fund. Regional Housing Trust Fund. And here to give us an overview of that is the leader of the group is Brad Mole. Brad's the program director for the regional group, and he's leading the charge and finding creative ways to tackle the issues in our region. Brad, we're looking forward to hearing from you today all about the uh, regional housing program and uh, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Bill. Can you hear me? Can you all can you all hear me? Yes. Good morning. Just a little bit louder, but we do hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you um, for you all giving me just this time to be able to update you all on the work that you that you mentioned that we are doing um, here in the Beaufort Jasper area concerning the newly formed uh, housing trust. Um, and we just to kind of give you some quick highlights of what we're doing on the ground. Um, first of all, we, we have decided on the name or the board have decided on the name, which is the Beaufort Jasper Housing Trust. Um, so you'll see that name kind of more more um, more around and heard more within um, our affordable housing circles here in, in the in the counties. Um, so this year um, is about the formation uh, of the Beaufort Jasper Housing Trust, uh, along with uh, pipeline development, uh, finalizing structures of, uh, of, of the committees. We now have five committees um, that are working on carrying out the um, activities of the Housing Trust. Um, that those committees are consisted of uh, board members, um, community works, um, which community works is the um, administrator of the Housing Trust Fund. So it could, so those committees are consisted of the board members, um, community work staff, and some and a few community partners. 
Um, some of our other focus for this year is also um, launching our letter of interest uh, that recently closed on May the 15th. Um, our goal was to, again, kind of capture, connect with those um, uh, developers, affordable housing developers that we can possibly partner with. Um, and then also we wanted to focus on this uh, first year and in, uh, internal staff and uh, board development. So since our launch back in uh, uh, in January the 11th, of course, we had a chance to see many of your, your faces um, there at the launch event that we had uh, back in January. Um, after that, we began to uh, meet with numerous community partners, um, and we started creating, again, that pipeline of potential projects to fund. Um, we do now have a new logo, so as well as hearing our name within some circles, hopefully you'll see uh, our new logo as well. Um, the, the, the trust, the, the board uh, um, agreed on a logo, uh, which consisted of the uh, woven basket, uh, which represents the, uh, the South's uh, sweetgrass uh, basket weaving culture. Uh, the Housing Trust Fund Board um, had a planning date on last month on May the 12th, um, and so that was uh, something that was needed, again, for the board to be able to focus a full day on um, future activities of the fund. Um, from that planning day, we created a six-month action plan. Um, again, we have those uh, five, finalized, final, five uh, finalized committees that came from out of that planning um, session. Um, and on May the 15th, uh, we, we closed our initial request for uh, letters of interest that I mentioned earlier um, from developers. There were uh, seven developers uh, that responded uh, with a total request of about 7.5 million. So that's about $1, $1 million per project. Um, out of that uh, planning day, we also uh, planned another uh, more intensive uh, fall retreat um, that so we're kind of getting underway as far as trying to um, schedule that and putting the piece of the puzzle together for a uh, fall um, planning retreat. Uh, and of course, many of you have heard um, and it's glad that we're uh, it's exciting that we're doing some work um, on the affordable housing front locally, but it's also even more exciting to know that uh, we have many of our elected officials um, on the state level that are helping to push the uh, affordable housing um, needle forward. And from out of that, um, we have Bill S-284, which many of you have heard about, that was that was introduced at the state level. Um, adding workforce housing as an eligible use of uh, accommodations or um, tax um, supporting workforce housing. Of course, that passed. Um, the governor signed it last month. And so we're um, circling back around, working with each of the uh, seven to eight municipalities that have signed on with the Housing Trust Fund, and we're working with those town managers and with, with their staff um, to see exactly how we can uh, implement um, uh, the passing of this bill. Um, also, lastly but not least, um, again, on the state level front, um, there's been a $3 million um, uh, one-time request, um, budget request for the Buford Jasper Housing Trust. So again, we're excited about um, that as well. And um, after speaking with uh, Senator Davis' office, we uh, um, contact them again. They asked that we contact them again in September to um, see where where, where um, that request is at that time. Um, but again, we we so we we're, we have a lot of activities going on. I actually just jumped off of another Zoom call and um, and uh, was uh, excited about joining you all. But are gonna actually go back on that Zoom call because we do have our um, project evaluation committee, which is one of our committees. They're actually discussing um, those, uh, se those seven projects that I mentioned earlier. So, so we, we, you, should see, you should see a lot more um, from us and hear more a lot about us uh, in, in the near future. If you have any questions, always please uh, feel free to reach me by email. 
um, at bmole um, at cwcarolina.org or um, give me a call. Thanks, Bill, for this for this time. Brad, I know you need to uh, jump on another call. Do you have time right now for a couple questions that we've had sent in from our listeners or do you need to uh, move on? No, no, no. I definitely have time. Yes, sir. All right. Great. Thank you. The first question is coming from Marvin and Marvin is asking how he as a resident in the community can get involved or is his involvement needed? Good. So again, um, I would say that the, the, the best way to get involved at this at this point is to, well, first of all, we can definitely, um, if you go to the Community Works uh, website, uh, the home office is here in Greenville, but um, we have a, a page that's dedicated um, to the Housing Trust Fund. That's a good um, way to find out the activities that we have going on now and, and uh, in the future. And as a resident, I believe if you can kind of just help spread the word on on um, some of those things that we're we're, we're doing, that that would uh, definitely help. Thank you. Next question is coming from Linda, and Linda's asking, "What are the five committees?" Good. So those five committees um, are our finance um, committee. Um, they're focusing again on um, uh, handling the again with the community works lending um, lending team that's um, partnering with them. Uh, that committee is partnering with them again to uh, um, handle uh, the um, possible funds from the uh, bill S-284, um, the possible budget uh, request that we mentioned, $3 million budget request that we mentioned earlier. Um, and again, to work on um, as money go out and come in um, with the, as we fund uh, developers. Um, so yeah, so that we have that finance committee, we have the project evaluation committee, uh, which again, uh, we have some um, uh, very experienced board members um, that's on that committee. Um, a few have um, experience with LIHTC projects um, as well as other affordable housing projects. And so um, that committee is the one that's meeting now to discuss uh, some of the projects that have come forth over the last uh, month. Um, we have our communications committee. Again, as I mentioned, our uh, uh, web page that we have set aside for the housing trust fund that's part of our communication but again we want to make sure as much as possible uh, that people understand what the housing trust fund can and cannot do what um, and and how we can assist and so again our communication uh, committee focuses on that um, our governance committee again uh, focuses on our, how our meetings are ran um, bylaws we did create bylaws of course since um, since January and then the last one is our development committee to again kind of go uh, not only locally but also um, outside of our region to see exactly what funds are available to um, continue the work so the housing trust fund all right thank you for that another question is coming from John and John is asking when do you expect the first project to come to fruition that's a good question. Um, so, so uh, a lot of that depends on um, again how how um, ready the applicants are. We uh, the applications that we've gotten in so far, um, about about out of those seven, about three or four of those are LIHTC projects. Again, that depends a lot on um, uh, tax credits uh, and and um, and when they're available, and then just that process. Um, but I do, from some of the early sub, um, submittals concerning that question, because we asked the same thing as far as how, how far, further along were some of these projects, um, and kind of an average was many of them said that they would begin within the next year and have something actually on the ground uh, within the next uh, two years. 
All right. Last question for you. And, and uh, uh, Helen is asking what uh, what you think the biggest challenge will be. I'm sure there's more than one big challenge that's out there, but uh, a couple challenges you see as you move forward in this that you will overcome. That that's that's another great question. And, and I'll I'll um, I would say a challenge and also an opportunity. Um, again, we have quite a few. Um, organizations that's focused on affordable housing in our region. Um, again, I, I would say that that challenge and opportunity is to kind of get everybody uh, going in the same direction. Um, and I believe that a uh, few organizations and um, and uh, is working on trying to put together maybe some type of, of a convening um, to where we all can kind of come together, um, swap stories, swap ideas, um, and kind of again have possibly some action items to move forward um, as a as one unit. But, but again, I will say that bringing everybody together um, um, and uh, kind of seeing where everyone is so that we're not duplicating services uh, is probably um, one of the greatest opportunities and challenges. Brad, our Vice President of Public Policy and Small Business, Tom Hens, he's uh, uh, enjoying working with you and looks forward to partnering and working side by side in the future with you. We Likewise, appreciate what you're what you're doing. We know you need to run, but thank you for being with us today. And uh, we'll hopefully be back and see you again soon. Thank you all. All right. Thank you again. We talked a little bit about planning and here at the chamber, we know that uh, planning is very, very important. And as, as the designated marketing org organization for the town of Bluffton, as well as the town of Hilton Head Island, uh, we know that we have to plan and how that planning plays such a vital role in balancing the quality of life for our residents and also uh, the quality of uh, life for uh, our visitors as well and then the uh, economic vitality of our region and that's why that we've partnered with mmgy next factor and um, one of the leading organizations in the country specializing in working with tourism organization and they've been uh, gathering input from local business leaders our elected officials uh, residents on, uh, on what they think their vision is for the future of our region. And I'm proud to introduce to you today, Paul, we met, he's the president of MMGY Next Factor and the managing director of Destination Next. He brings a wealth of experience to the table and uh, uh, Paul, we're delighted to have you with us to provide an update on what you're seeing uh, nationally and some internationally regarding tourism and best practices. Super. Well, thank you, Bill, and, and good morning, everyone. It's a, a pleasure to be here. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, working with the Chamber and, and other key stakeholders here in, in, um, in this beautiful area for the last five years. We've worked on, on several projects. Um, I, I think I've been working uh, on uh, tourism industry specifically for, for the last 10 years, and what we've really seen is we had um, eight years of record growth after uh, 2008, 2009, and then obviously uh, the wheels fell off in, uh, in 2021. We were um, hit obviously with the pandemic, uh, shut down borders, group travel. Um, big cities especially have had to deal with social political unrest. We've had a lot of natural disasters, hurricanes, floods, fires. Um, and then in Europe, the, the war in Ukraine has really destabilized um, much of that region. So obviously, these were very difficult years. 2022, 23, 
um, we have seen strong signs of, of recovery. Um, Asia has, has been a little bit behind uh, the rest of the world, but we're uh, definitely getting back close to where we were at, um, uh, at 20, 2019 levels. There's, there's four trends that I, I wanted to touch on that I think are especially relevant for, um, for this area in, in, for the future here for tourism. The, the first one is um, pre-pandemic, but even um, more since, is the surge in interest in outdoor recreation experiences. Um, I do a lot of work with TripAdvisor. And what's interesting is when you look at the um, searches on TripAdvisor, outdoor experiences are more than twice as large as any of their other uh, attraction experience types. That number surged in 21. Um, uh, and it it uh, it normalized a bit in 22, but it's still significantly higher than it was um, pre pre COVID. That's a big opportunity, obviously, for this region. Um, the the interest in renewed interest in golf, tennis, um, all of the the beach activities. The second area is is with respect to to group travel and meetings. Uh, there, they have come back. They've, they've come back very strong. There was a lot of skepticism, uncertainty around um, around meetings and conventions. Uh, lots of talk about hybrid meetings. We are not um, seeing that as a as a long term trend. Hybrid meetings have um, um, have largely disappeared already. Uh, we're going to see some meetings where there's uh, sessions that are going to be videotaped and then sold later, but face-to-face -face meetings are back and, and I think they're gonna be as strong as, uh, as ever. Um, the third area is uh, in, uh, again, looking at different types of attractions and how they're trending. Arts, cultural, historic attractions, uh, interest has, um, has, um, has picked up as well. So again, for a lot of the things that are being talked about here uh, in part of the, the master plan, looking at uh, those specific areas, those are big opportunities to, uh, to capitalize on and to, uh, uh, to really focus on. And, and then the, the fourth one, which uh, uh, is, is really, I think also very critical is remote working. And um, remote working for, destinations uh, like Hilton Head Island. Um, lots of people now having Mondays, Fridays, working from home, they can, they have a lot of flexibility. I think there's tremendous opportunity to increase the length of stay, people coming here uh, and doing uh, mixed sort of business um, play um, time here. So those are all significant opportunities that are going to, I think, create um, uh, you know the the potential to uh, to uh, continue to grow your your visitor economy. When we look at um, the U.S. compared to other parts of the world, the U.S. did not fall off as much um, with the pandemic as other parts of the world. That's the good news. The bad news is it hasn't recovered 
as strongly as other parts of the world. And I, I think that, you know, there, there's other issues that we're dealing with in the U.S., um, crime, public safety, homelessness. And some of these big issues are um, depressing some of the travel. So one of the things I keep telling destinations uh, here is we shouldn't be complacent about the success we've had uh, in the last uh, in the last year as as our hotels and and activity has has recovered strongly. We've most of that activity has been um, domestic leisure markets. Um, a lot of that leisure traffic was um, um, visiting friends and relatives. So we're going to have to do a lot of work to continue to stimulate the um, leisure travelers international. There's there's a lot of uh, issues that have to be uh, addressed there, um, but continuing to do aggressive marketing promotion um, in our in our markets is is going to be really critical. Um, the the last point that I was just asked to to touch on um, is what are we seeing as sort of the keys to success for success for destinations moving forward? And um, in 2021, we we do every two years a major study. It's it's called Destination Next, a, a future study, and we surveyed over 700 leaders of destination marketing organizations from 52 countries. This was the biggest study ever done in the world on destination marketing and promotion. And we asked them to prioritize um, 100 trends. And the number one trend, the most important trend that uh, all of these uh, leaders, tourism leaders um, said was gonna be key uh, in the future was a recognition that alignment between industry, government, and community leaders was going to be key to determining the success of destinations um, moving forward. Number one most important trend, more important than any technology trend, social media, uh, a demographic um, um, shift. So that alignment between the town, the chamber, um, community organizations, the 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 education um, community here is really going to be critical to to uh, to uh, have everyone working together on the same page in terms of um, marketing strategies, um, you know, growth strategies, dealing with um, you know all of the um, implications of additional traffic moving forward. So. Uh, I think there's been a lot of progress made in, in that space. I think there's there's been some great plans that have been done by the town, by um, by the chamber, uh, you know, to address some of those issues. But I, I think that is really a critical uh, component for, for this region moving forward. There are some significant infrastructure issues um, here in terms of mobility, um, access, transportation, um, that have to be addressed. Workforce um, is is a is an issue here. It's it's an issue pretty much everywhere is, um, right now in in the United States. So those would be some of the um, critical comments. I'd I'd be happy to answer any questions. All right, Paul. Thank you for that. And uh, one th one item I think would be interesting for our listeners is for you to share. Uh, the a little bit about the destination management plan that you worked worked on on behalf of uh, uh, Hilton Head Island. 
Yeah, so they, that, um, that was a plan that we did uh, that, that was ratified in, uh, in 2021. We've done um, master plans. Master plans is, is really something that uh, many, many communities are now putting together. We've done over 40 uh, in, in the last five years, but uh, we did work. It was a pretty extensive engagement process, um, focus groups, uh, town hall, resident town hall meetings, um, uh, interviews with key industry and community leaders uh, to, to put together uh, a, a major plan to sort of um, uh, help move the hospitality industry forward over the next um, over the next 10 years. There, there were uh, a number of recommendations, um, again, emphasizing collaboration between critical stakeholders, talent attraction, initiatives around um, workforce, affordable housing, um, a need to continue to improve and diversify the experiences that are here, um, meetings and events, uh, uh, there's the opportunities there. And then finally, as I just mentioned, uh, recommendations around uh, mobility transportation access. So it's um, uh, that's a, a work in progress. This is, um, as we say to every destination, this is really a, a marathon, this is not a sprint. Uh, these are big issues that um, you know communities are are trying to uh, to tackle. But um, um, you know, I, I think there's there's been some progress made in 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 some of those areas, but uh, uh, a lot of work's needed to to address some of those bigger issues. Thank you for that. Uh, Dean is asking if you feel the trend of increasing business travel, if that will continue uh, the trending upward. Uh, that's a that's a good question. I, I, I do. Um, we're seeing a, a resurgence in in business travel. Um, I I do believe that um, um, we're going to see uh, business travel affected um, more than sort of meetings and conventions, um, corporate travel um, because of um, technology, Zoom. I think will uh, have a somewhat of a uh, of a sort of a, an impact um, to to slow the recovery down of of business travel, but um, certainly um, I, I think we're we're seeing pretty strong recovery there as well. Paul, you've been uh, extremely helpful. We appreciate the work that you do on behalf of the destination, and uh, we look forward to. Uh, uh, seeing the next strategic plan come out in the very, very near future. Thanks a lot, Bill. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. Again, I want to thank all of you for joining us today. Uh, if you have ideas on uh, suggested speakers that you would like to hear, please email us because we want to provide the most up-to-date information that is helpful to you. Once again, thank you for being with us. We hope you have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you real soon.